0: Hello, welcome to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a podcast exploring the lives and minds of theatre practitioners in and around the New Zealand performing arts industry. I am your host, James Shearer. Today I am joined by actor, entertainer and wizard, Zach Enayat. Zach has gone from gig to gig over the last five years, with theatre, film and TV credits under his belt, but it wasn't always like that. Listen in to hear about the struggles of coming out of drama school and not knowing where to go next, and the journey to find that next thing. We learn about a few of Zach's upcoming projects, like Play, a work of theatre in Wellington, and Dead, a new feature film. And of course, we find out why, in Zach's opinion, performers are wizards and entertainment is magic. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy a conversation with Zach on Broadway, and other Kiwi dreams.
1: Hi, Zach. How's it going? I'm good, thanks, James. How are you?
0: I'm very good. It's nice to meet you, finally.
1: Yeah, nice to meet you, too. Um, what year did you graduate from NASA again?
0: I graduated in 2017.
1: Okay, so a few years after me. Yeah. But that's cool. It's always cool meeting someone from NASA because... Even though we would have had different experiences while we were there, it's like a common language that we have now. Totally. Once you know someone's from NASA, you can just see it. You can see the three years that they did. You
0: just connect straight away, just on that similarity that you have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel.
0: Totally. So, uh, jumping into it, I wanted to talk first off about your childhood with respect to performing. So, were you into drama and stuff in your childhood?
1: Yeah, I was. I can't remember how it came about. I guess in my family, like, you'd get a lot of laughs if you could imitate family members. Yeah. We'd have these massive dinners um, with wider family there. And so, I guess the attention that I would get from just being cheeky and mimicking, like, my uncles and aunties maybe, like, sparked (laughs) something. Yeah. I remember in primary school, it was encouraged. And we would do these yearly concert things at like a some concert venue in a nearby town. And they'd film it on VHS and we'd all get to keep the tape. So, every class would have like a different kind of performance challenge. And I remember the first one that I did, we got split into groups and everyone had to do a rendition of the Flintstones theme song um, with a different genre. (laughs) And my group got rap. So, I got to like dress up as Fred Flintstone with like a cool cap and uh, Ray-Bans or something. Yeah. They wouldn't have been real Ray-Bans. <laughs> um, and I got to rap the Flintstones theme song. And um, yeah, I think it stepped itself up a notch when I started getting involved in community theater as a way to have something to do. I didn't seem to have hobbies. I wasn't really into sports. And so when I got involved doing backstage work at the Glen Eden Playhouse, I then wanted to be on stage. And then I did a few of those. And then I started doing my school shows. Um, And then I started getting involved in NYTC. I did that too. Did you? Which show did you do?
0: My first show was My Son Pinocchio. And then I did Grease the next year. And then The Wizard of Oz the year after that. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: So that kind of took me through to the end of high school. And by that point, I had done a couple of um, summer schools. CCMT would do these musical theater summer schools. I think (laughs) they they might still do them. Um, And Richard Merritt... Um, and Michael Lee Porter, who was teaching at NASDAQ at the time, were at a CCMT and that was the year after the earthquakes. And mm. so, very close to the start of term one, they still had some slots available for students. Sure. Um, myself and Rebecca Head got into Nasda that way. Mm. Yeah. And then I guess after NASDAH, I've been doing it on a more sort of serious level. So, that's probably, what is that, 25 years of performing in some way or another. Great. What about your parents? Were they into this world? My mom, she might still be addicted, but she was very addicted to Bollywood films. Sure. And um, Western cinema as well. But we watched a lot of Bollywood when I was a kid. That's always like really big budget sort of often musical love stories or dramas. And then mom would buy the CDs, play the CDs. She was also obsessed with like Top 40, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the MTV Top 40. Yeah. Um, and so she'd always be buying Top of the Pops and stuff like that. Um, she got me into the Spice Girls Dad had an appreciation for like Middle Eastern music, but Mm -hmm. nothing really beyond that when it comes to art. Mum would like to have a little dance around the house, but (laughs) yeah, no, she wasn't a performer either. I don't know about my family tree if there are artists up and down that, but... I think it just came from my own unique experiences as a kid. I discovered like the adrenaline rush of yep. being up in front of people and having to hold their attention. And it sort of grew from that, I guess.
0: Mm. Have Have you talked to your parents about going into the industry and did they have any kind of reservations about you pursuing this?
1: So my dad was sort of only in the picture until I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And then my dad and my mom parted ways and... We sort of stuck with my mum. Yeah. I feel like once dad sort of, if dad ever sort of randomly sees me in something somewhere on a screen or something, he would probably appreciate what I do seeing it on that level. But I think in the early stages when you have to just own that you're not going to make a lot of money and things are really up and down, I'm not sure whether or not my dad would be supportive of it. Mum... She now says that she was the one who inspired me to do drama and perform. But I definitely remember there was a time, maybe it was just because I was a teenager, where mum didn't seem fully on board with me pursuing it beyond high school. I think it was more there was just a lot of concern for the effects of like the lifestyle Mm. sort of getting paid and then not getting paid and then getting your hopes up for random things. She had all those kinds of, I guess, motherly concerns and still to this day sometimes does like she worries for me. But I can definitely see that she understands why I'm doing this. And anytime she ever sees my work, there's a lot of support. So she is a bit of a cheerleader, but a cheerleader who worries. (laughs) As all mums do. Yeah. Thanks, mum.
0: Yeah. We talked about your journey into this career was there something that inspired you to get into this for real in the first place was there a movie or a tv show or maybe a person that inspired you
1: i remember as a kid watching titanic was like Mm -hmm. hugely inspirational because for whatever reason i did sort of get sucked into the story as like a general consumer but for whatever reason i was also picking apart how on earth they would design, create, and present that film (laughs) in order to tell that story. And I was just blown away by the scale of it all. I loved quite a few of the performances, the music, and then also just... The whole idea that they had to build pieces of ship and, like, yeah. they had to find ways to make us believe that it was, like, <laughs> um snapping in half and mm. then going up and then going down. Yeah. Um I think I was like, whatever this is, whoever made this, like, I want to do this kind of stuff. And then I think being a huge diehard Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Um, seeing people around my age. Dan, Emma and Rupert. <laughs> yeah. My friends. um, (laughs) First name basis friends, yeah. Like grow up and do this thing and learning about what their thing was. Once I sort of started getting into theater, all of that sort of connected. And I was like, this sort of makes me happier than anything else I know. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if it was Titanic or Harry Potter or or what it was. I couldn't like pinpoint one specific thing, if I'm honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of those kinds of roles, is there a role that you have that is like, if I play this, that's it. A dream role, if you will.
1: Yes, I think it always changes. Um, I've got a couple at the moment. One that's probably been around for a long time is if there's ever a way to become a part of the landscape of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter, maybe Game of Thrones. Just when it's being redone at some point, I'd love to find a way to live in that world somehow.
0: Well, they're doing a Lord of the Rings TV show, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. Yeah, hopefully they um get some Kiwis on board. That yeah, would be totally. really cool. From what I know at the moment, it's um if you go on their IMDb, there are some cool, fresh faces from other places that are all coming here. Yeah. So we might meet some of them. It's going to be a cool project.
0: It will.
1: What was I saying? No. Oh no. To be a not white Batman would be really cool for me sure. at some point.
0: Yeah, totally. I could see that. Why not? Why not?
1: <laughs> I just need to get really. I'm obsessed with um bodyweight training it's like a type of training that doesn't really require gym equipment it's stuff Mm. more inspired by like martial arts and gymnastics Mm. where you um, train yourself up to a point where you can do like one-handed pull-ups one arm press-ups and stuff like that I got into it because everything shut down obviously when we went into lockdown Mm. and I just wanted to I needed some kind of physical activity to look after my mental health Um, and so I found this course online and you could just go to a patch of grass or a field somewhere where there's a branch or whatever, and you can use these things to work with your own body weight Mm. to provide all the resistance you need all the tension that you need, whatever. Anyway, if I keep going with that, then maybe I get to be Batman one day. Who knows?
0: Surely that's what he does anyway. What Batman does. Batman doesn't go to a gym.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, he's got one at his house.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Underground. You mentioned that you got into NASDAQ. Yeah. So, how was Nesda? How was the Nesda experience?
1: I think it was (laughs) Mm mind-blowing. Yeah. Even just when you consider the logistics of like three years, four terms a year, and every day you are somehow furthering yourself with three different crafts. Yeah. And then also a knowledge of the history of those crafts, of theatre, of politics, the world. Yeah. I think going in straight after high school, I'm still not sure whether or not that's a mistake. (laughs) I don't regret my experience. And I think in the years that have followed being at NASDAQ, all of these things that I picked up while I was there have sort of been useful in some way or another. And things that I possibly didn't fully learn while I was there because I couldn't grasp it, Mm. like clicked into place later on for me. What I do have to say about going in so young is that if you've been institutionalized from... Mm-hmm. the age of toddler to the age of 18 and then you're free and a lot of these people at nasda have come from different parts of the country so they're also free from their families and their friend circles at home the freedom that being at university provides a lot of distraction mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and so even though we think we're hard working and we are while we're at nasda and we're doing our very best to like you know keep all of these balls up in the air we do discover things like relationships especially if you're gay because you're thrown into nasda and it's like a cesspit Mm -hmm. of gay men yeah (laughs) um or that's kind of how it was when i was there it can be quite distracting um and then if you if you get into meaningful relationships and that's not really happened for you that much at high school that's like a whole new world and it takes up a lot of brain space when you could be sitting down and going over your lines one more time at the end of the night you're instead you know focusing on some other random drama that won't matter a few years later Mm. and so i wonder what it would be like going in now or even a couple years back at 25 when you have had to be out in the world as an adult and pay bills and you have a little bit more experience with relationships with heartbreak with what it feels like to actually work and concentrate and focus Mm. i feel like i would have possibly gotten so much more out of the experience that way Mm. versus the way that i did it but it was still amazing and i learned so much and I made amazing friendships and connections with people that I'll cherish forever. So yeah, I wouldn't change it.
0: Totally. Was there anyone in your year group that did take some time off before coming in? Yeah, I think we had
1: a small handful of people who weren't coming in straight after high school. Mm. And I always remember respecting a certain level of maturity that I observed from them and an attitude when it came to homework or just initiative Mm. with how you spend your free time they were quite often the ones that would hand everything in on time if i lived with them which i did i lived with a few of them um, at times you know you could hear them really taking on board what was being said during the day at school in their free time and trying to work on all of those things as did we all but i would just say that from the people that were older i noticed that they created more time and space Mm. for that kind of thing and they weren't so easily distracted by stuff that you know 18 to 21 year olds can be distracted by
0: yeah it's interesting how kind of societally we are kind of pushed to go into university straight away that might be changing but you know it really says something about maybe it is better to take some time to find who you are and find what you like to do and then go into a tertiary situation yeah yeah if
1: you're gonna you know, borrow thousands and thousands of dollars, Mm. which, you know, thank you so much to whoever for organizing that so that I could go and pursue what I want to pursue. But if you're going to be in debt, I definitely think waiting a little bit to know that you're 100% sure, even if you think you're 100% sure, waiting just a little bit longer to see if life sort of supports you in that way Mm. (laughs) before you commit to it, I think is a great idea. I'm not saying going straight after high school if you know that's 100% what you want to do is a bad thing to do. I just think, and I'll never know this unless Mm. I went and did NASDAQ again, which I'm not sure I will. (laughs) I just think that it it might be a completely different experience depending on your age. And I feel like for me personally, I'm at a point now where if I did want to do another year, I just know exactly how I would treat that entire year. I'd know how short that year is. I'd know how long I've been building up to that point where I would be studying again. I'd know that there are potentially a hundred thousand different gems for me to collect. And I don't know if I'd waste my time. It's harsh to call it a waste, but I don't know if I'd be focusing necessarily on relationships, my social life or whatever, if I was to go into study again. Mm. You said, if
0: you're not 100% sure, were you 100% sure when you went into Nesta?
1: Yes, I was 100% sure that that was the best thing. Uh, Of all of my abilities, that felt like the one I was strongest at. Mm -hmm. So, the one that I possibly might have an advantage with. Our counsellors at school that we all had to go to before we chose our subjects and stuff, they never really supported artistic careers. Mm -hmm. And so, it really did feel like a risk. But at that point I felt rebellious and badass enough that like I went into NASDA with a hundred percent confidence. Yeah. The lowest my confidence has ever been as like a professional or as an artist was when I came straight out of NASDA. Sure. <laughs> um, and I'm not blaming NASDA at all. <laughs> I, I promise I'm not, it was just, it was me. And it was um, the way those three years panned out for me in my life. I achieved so much at NASDA, but when I came out, I was very confused by what it meant that I had a musical theatre degree and whether or not I had shot myself in the foot Mm. for getting a degree that suggests that I'm a musical theatre performer. It probably took me a few years to realise that that's an advantage to have not only acting under your belt, but other things that you can bring to the floor and offer up. Or even, you know, if you have to do a musical or a dance show... Mm. Y- you kind of know what you're getting yourself into.
0: And even in just straight acting shows, like it's helpful to have that dance background or singing background if it calls for it.
1: Yes. Or even just the knowledge on the anatomy mm. and how you can get through certain sections of text while supporting yourself properly. Um, so all of that singing training comes into play as well. I just, yeah, coming out of NASDAQ I think my confidence was low because I wasn't hundred percent sure that I wanted to exclusively pursue musical theater. And i felt like I possibly was just a bit lost mm. because I didn't realize that I could just do whatever I wanted to do. And it would be really cool to tie all of that back to NASDAQ even though what I'm doing isn't necessarily musical theater full time or whatever. Do you know what I mean?
0: Totally. And that is where I think Playhouse is really good, which you went into straight after Nasda, is that
1: right? Yeah, I'm very grateful for that even though it was, to this day, probably the hardest job Mm -hmm. (laughs) ever done. Um, But I think leaving Nasdaq, not really feeling confident as a performer, I could still remind myself that I had a job and that the contract was for a year. Mm. I definitely came out of NASA. let's just call it what it is, with some pretty intense depression. Mm -hmm. And being on the Playhouse tour and knowing that I had to leave my shit at the door Concentrate on this one job, which provided so many obstacles throughout the year, if you consider performing, traveling, staying in close quarters with your cast, being with them 24-7, not really coming back home a lot. It was an amazing year, but also just really, really difficult. And one of our acting tutors said, don't avoid unglamorous work. Mm. And at the time, as amazing as that tour was, just the, the workload and the conditions at times, it sort of made me... Learn what it was like to really work, not yeah. complain, and get the most out of what you're doing.
0: I don't think Michael would disagree that it is unglamorous
1: work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be a little bit more glamorous now. I don't want to take anything away from, you know, the experience of somebody doing Playhouse at the moment, because I know how fun it can be as well. Mm. But I think for me, what was going on at that time was just a little bit of a, an internal crisis of like, am I sure? And the amount of time I had to spend alone for that entire year while doing the thing that I had chosen to do really, I think, just poured cement over all of the roots and just kind of, I don't know, gave me another, let's guess, maybe 10 or 15 years worth of fuel. So mm. I can just kind of go at it gun ho and see what happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you did that with Rebecca and Nick Gowdy, is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, two people who were in my class Mm. Rebecca I'd actually done all of high school with as well Mm -hmm. so by that point we had eight years behind us and Nick and I had three years behind us yeah we just kind of became a little bit of a dysfunctional high performing family
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's such a good jumping off point I feel for coming out of drama school because I did it 2019 did you do New Zealand or Australia I did New Zealand
1: oh cool cool cool
0: yeah even that like getting to see your own country. You don't get to do that in any other way other than just driving around the whole country
1: (laughs) and seeing everything. It's really cool. Yeah. I don't know if I ever would have chosen just for leisure Mm. to go and explore like maybe 200 different Australian towns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But not only that, to step into their schools and to get to experience what very young children... Back in 2015, actually, were what what they were being taught, mm-hmm. what their joy looks like. Just throwing yourself into an earlier point in your life mm. and constantly imagining what it would be like today to be at that age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. It was it was a great year.
0: I, I can't recommend Playhouse enough. It's just such a it's hitting the ground running really coming into the industry and just working your ass off
1: (laughs) yes yeah like i think that's the biggest thing you you get from it is the actual labor Mm -hmm. (laughs) the labor of performing staying ready whether you're kind of sick or whether you're fully on your game having to get up and do the same thing regardless with uh family theater it takes so much more tangible energy to hold a young person's attention in the cup of your hand and they have such good bullshit radars. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're phoning it in for a performance because you're not quite feeling 100 on any given day, we actually got evidence that children don't really respond to that yeah. as much as if you are fully there with them. And um, it, it takes a lot to be fully there three times a day, 15 times a week.
0: <laughs> yeah. This next question is around your dream miscast role, which I feel like is kind of an interesting question now because I feel like the line is getting more and more blurred between for example gender with male and yeah. female roles for example you did there she is earlier this year Yep you know, um
1: that was early 2019 which is you
0: know gender bending performance for the Auckland Pride Festival so I guess the question is if you could play any role that you wouldn't traditionally be able to play what would that role be
1: Let's go with Something like either Professor McGonagall or mm-hmm. Galadriel. Um, I don't think either of those roles were miscast. Like, I'm happy to leave them as they oh, were. totally. They were perfect. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but uh, I'd, I'd love to uh, let those characters into my body and see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. The Lord of the Rings series is taking place, like way earlier but galadriel was still alive so
1: true i wonder who's playing galadriel oh no we know who's playing galadriel i Mm -hmm. don't know her name but it's online she doesn't look like kate blanchett but i can see her as galadriel and possibly younger as well Mm. are you a fan of lord of the rings totally both lord of the rings
0: harry potter star wars give me all of it what's your favorite i would say lord of the rings
1: oh nice nice
0: yeah just because of the mythology behind it i think the whole whole world that's behind that that you don't really see in the movies or in the In the books you said in the Silmarillion, but yeah, that mythology. It's
1: almost like a bunch of stuff that was like made in honour of the world, Mm. but not necessarily relevant to whatever story you're reading. It's kind of like in Skyrim, where if you want, you can go around and collect like every single book in the world. Only a few of them really help you with your missions. The rest (laughs) are just like, not fluff, but just like details, if you happen to be interested on the flowers in this place. Or the, the four different moons or the specific breed of wolf that used to roam the lands like 300 years ago. Whatever.
0: Yeah. Just <laughs> random shit that developers put in just because.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of the rings and also Game of Thrones, the books in particular, they really honor travel time. Mm. So there are like chunks of book where you just have to experience a lot of time going by. And all they're describing really is what they can see. Yeah. What's around <laughs> yeah. while they're on a horse. It's like. I've just spent three pages reading about trees, and I'd really love to get to the next bit of action.
0: Yeah, even though the movies are super long, you don't you don't really get that length of time.
1: No, but there is something I would say with the Lord of the Rings films versus the Hobbit films that really honors the kind of amount of time that's passing between events.
0: The amount of screen time that's dedicated to walking.
1: <laughs> yeah, versus in the Hobbit, it just feels like a little bit more of a roller coaster. Yeah, um, but a modern day roller coaster. Which isn't as quintessential like Lord of the Rings. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Are we off topic? I don't know. I can't remember what the topic was. There's no topic. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) We
0: have some listener questions. Okay, great. One of them is from Rebecca Head.
1: Lovely. Hi, Rebecca.
0: The second is from Rebecca Head.
1: Oh, fuck. Are they all from
0: Rebecca Head? And the third is from Rebecca Head also. All right. Great.
1: (laughs) Great. She will always be my only fan, I think. (laughs) Other than your mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My (laughs) mum. Hi, mum. They're all actually
0: from the Tusk Puppets uh, Instagram page. So they could be from Edwin. Who knows? She's
1: just trying to plug Tusk Puppets. (laughs) We get it.
0: Shout out to Tusk Puppets. Shout out to Tusk
1: Puppets.
0: (laughs) Uh, So the first question is uh, just a really easy one. How did you get so sexy, Zachy?
1: Oh, I think we got to thank my mom and dad. If it's true, we got to thank my mom and dad. And then I guess I just make sure I do something with my hair every day mm-hmm. at the very least. And I like to stay active. It's the body weight training. Yeah, body weight training. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. I've started swimming recently. Maybe that's a contributing mm-hmm. factor. Um, I didn't know how to swim, and now I can do a few lengths, but um, my technique's still not that great. You didn't know how to swim at all. I could swim to save myself, but it kind of looked like exasperated doggy paddling. Sure. Versus now I know how to keep my head under the water, come up for air, um, exactly what to do with my arms. What it feels like to have goggles on. (laughs) Weird. It does feel weird. Yeah. And kind of suffocating.
0: Yeah, like squeezing your brain. Uh, Next is a similar line. How do you make headshots look so easy?
1: Uh, You pick a great photographer. Mm -hmm. I guess someone you feel comfortable with but sometimes regardless of who's taking the photos it's hard to feel comfortable just go in there with a purpose like if with headshots in particular like they're not necessarily modeling photos there's a reason you're paying for them and so think about what kind of stuff you're most likely um going to get auditions for mm. um what kind of stuff you have had auditions for what kind of stuff you've actually played and then within your headshots not necessarily playing these characters you can sort of build looks, I would say, that are going to match casting briefs where people come across your photo and sort of go, oh, this photo looks like it fits this brief. Mm. Um, so, if you, you can have a little bit of strategy with headshots and sort of go in there with a mission and, yeah, hopefully it goes well for you. Mm.
0: And I feel like just being yourself as well because you are you are selling yourself, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Being yourself. But at the end of the day, you also don't like however many photos you're getting, six or seven, you don't want six or seven of the same. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, obviously, it's it's powerful when you can channel yourself into each and every photo, but you've got to capture some kind of range. Mm-hmm. So using your own range as a performer is a handy way to like figure out what kind of range you might want to capture in your one hour or two hours with the photographer. And you can actually specifically dress for those vibes get in front of the camera and try something a little bit different to the last 15 minutes of photographs mm. and then change again and try something else. Um, and it's all going to be you, but it'll just create a more interesting collection of yous. Mm. Act, act in your headshots. <laughs> yes, but act as you. That's yeah. <laughs> very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest and the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Ruby here's last question.
0: What has been your favorite screen project in Auckland?
1: I don't know whether to be um, embarrassed or flattered that all of these questions are from Rebecca. (laughs) We'll go with flattered. All right, we'll go with flattered. She's just a really big fan. (laughs) Yeah, with a bit of time on her, obviously. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say the most recent one probably, which is um, a feature film called Dead, Mm -hmm. um, written by my friends um, Hayden Wheel and Tom Sainsbury. We just went to a screening of it. I I guess I just didn't realise just going in to do my bits how big a project this was and what it would be like to sit there for, I guess, just over an hour and a half and watch this thing that you were making like two years ago. Mm. And the kind of fear that comes from not knowing how your work from two years ago would read.
0: Yeah. And I guess not remembering what you even did.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And just hoping it's good. Yeah. Um, The adrenaline from that. And then also just sitting there and watching everybody else, you know, and their work um, and being in a full cinema and hearing, You know, a bunch of random people that don't know anything about this film, hearing them respond to it as you go through the film, I think that probably makes it my favorite screen project to date.
0: Hmm. We'll talk a little bit about that later because I have that written down. Dead. Okay, cool. (laughs) When I, I asked you for three phrases of what you do as a person, you said actor entertainer and wizard yes is that and then
1: and then when you uh posted about it, you put a question mark at the end and i was like i'm gonna have to explain myself
0: (laughs) well i i I thought i'd bring it up because i didn't want to offend you if you were aspiring to be the next christchurch wizard or something
1: oh shit no (laughs) i think i'm more. all right so i was thinking of three titles for myself and i just couldn't For the life of me, (laughs) brand myself with three phrases for whatever reason. Um, So, I put actor and then I put something that is similar to actor, (laughs) which is entertainer, which I know I am as well. Um, And then for the third one, I I guess I put wizard because it feels like what we do is magic. Mm -hmm. I know that's really corny, but quite often the feeling of just bringing an idea to life or some words to life or, um, a song to life or anything really. I truly do believe that's magic. And, um, so I guess we can loosely use the term wizard to describe ourselves because of what we do.
0: (laughs) Totally. And if we get in Harry Potter, then even more true.
1: Do you think now in the world of Harry Potter, similar to how the the word actress doesn't really exist anymore, we call us all actors. Mm. Do you think one of the terms wizard or witch are going to be cancelled yeah, and everybody's going to be called wizards or everyone's going to be called witches
0: Mm. well it's like in some fantasy worlds I feel like wizard and witch are not opposites I think wizard is one thing and then witch is another
1: of course it's like a different Um, um, skill set there's
0: there's wizard and then wizard is the good guys and then sorcerer is the bad guys and and everyone who's you know So I don't know. It's it's an interesting, interesting.
1: But are all wizards cis men? (laughs) (laughs) Well, possibly according to JK, but we won't talk about her. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, we won't talk about her, even though we've like, you know, done about five shout outs to Harry Potter so far.
0: But it's the world of Harry Potter
1: that. (laughs) Yes, of course. Of
0: course. It doesn't have to be hers anymore. It's ours.
1: Yeah, it is ours. Thanks for that. All right, another tangent.
0: Nice. So, actor, entertainer, and wizard. Great.
1: I guess you yeah. could also say, I mean, I I wrote There She Is, but I don't really think that makes me a writer, and I also produce that, and I guess I'm pro- producing at the moment with a team of producers, but I wouldn't call myself a producer either. I did think of chucking those things on there. I, I'm not sure that just because you do it once sure, that you get to use the the title. I don't know. I
0: don't know. Maybe. Like you be what you want to be, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also, I guess you can call yourself what you want to be in the future as well, mm-hmm. in a sense, if you're kind of doing it now. I'm a swimmer. I'm a, a body weight master, yeah. also a Gryffindor. Yeah. Podcast guest. Yes. A podcast guest. A lockdown captive. Yes. Is that too, too intense?
0: <laughs> it's what everyone is at this point. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Totally. To- it's relatable content. Great. Sorry, you were asking me something.
0: I was. Uh, you've done a bunch of theatre productions around the country yeah. and stuff. Are there any particularly meaningful ones to you that have stood out in your career?
1: Good question. I would have to say the shows that I've done with Dynamotion stand out because of what that troupe have presented as, as their own sort of theatre form. Like, mm. um, I don't know if this kind of thing was being done prior to Dynamotion or in other parts of the world, but for me to come along to a show just because I recognize some of the faces and then be blown away by this idea that you can have an entire story play out through very high tempo dance choreography and um, pre-dubbed audio that the actors are lip syncing to as scenes. Mm -hmm. So like the scenes have all been pre-dubbed. And then you've got a bunch of like iconic pop songs from different decades and this high energy dancing. Uh, And it takes you on a little bit of a journey. I just thought it was so ridiculous, um, but also so kind of impressive, (laughs) like such a mess, but also so polished. I don't mean a mess as in like, oh, i more mean like, whoa, there's there's so much going on. Like it's it's like drugs. Yeah. So so when I got to uh, jump on board and do a few Dynamotion shows, there's no other theatrical context as a worker that matches like that vibe.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) When was that? oh when was that um the first one was uh, i did a show called disco in 2017 and then won the following year called monster mash mm-hmm. um and then last year in december we did top town
0: and then the, the screen acting side of it do your passions lie more with screen acting or is it is it kind of fluid in all aspects
1: I think because I know that theatre will always be a part of my life, I'm gearing myself up for stuff that I've always wanted to do mm. and haven't yet. Like Titanic. Yeah, like I'd love to get into doing feature films yeah. and like looking ahead and possibly having a few yeah. <laughs> lined up yeah. Um, and being on sets for like months at a time and um, being travelled around. There's something so magical to me about not having to use as much imagination because a lot of it has been built around you mm. and the aim is to make it all look as realistic as possible. So when you think about things like action films or or fantasy, there's like another layer of magic on top of that, which is everybody else's art and work that's all around you that helps you just step out in your costume and just feel like this isn't earth and, and you can pick things up and... <laughs> I mean, it sounds stupid because you can get out on, in a theatre show and there's an entire kitchen and you can open the drawer and pull out a knife and a fork. But I don't know, with some of these larger scale films, mm. I feel like there's nothing else that compares to it in terms of what it would feel like to step out and live in the world.
0: Mm. Film is so close as well. Like physically, the camera itself is so close that you are kind of looking more into the detail of those things that you're picking up or the world that
1: you're in. Absolutely. A friend of mine a few years ago um, was trying to describe the difference between film and stage acting, which I'm learning is more similar than we all think. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it's, it's, it's the exact same thing, but if a camera was like right here between the two of us yeah. <laughs> and all of the tricks that we learn to gear ourselves up to perform on stage to do with communicating the story across a larger distance. <laughs> so if you've never really got into play with the added restriction of not having to communicate beyond the person that's right in front of you that can take some practice if you can develop this dial where it's kind of like according to the genre of my work whether it's live performance or whether it's screen or whether i'm in a musical or whatever if you can just kind of start to practice changing the dial it kind of all starts to just feel like the same thing if that makes sense yeah it's
0: cool what you said about the dial like it's not one or the other it's a scale a you know a slider a
1: dial yes my fear with like saying that it's one or the other is possibly restricting yourself from the use of tools that you might use on stage in front of a camera tools that would possibly make what you're doing even more interesting Mm. or for example the other way around if you're um, working on a a stage project allowing yourself still to experience stillness and to internalize certain things and not being afraid to be subtle on stage versus not being afraid to be bigger than you think you can be on screen Mm. do you see what i mean about it kind of starting to intertwine a little bit Yeah, yeah
0: totally yeah i don't know if you can hear that but someone's started using a power tool Next door, so thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Good on them. Good good (laughs) for them. Yeah. So I'll I'll just not talk as much. (laughs) No, please talk. This is this is the beauty of having two separate recordings, is I can just shut myself up in editing.
1: (laughs) Oh, of course, of course, and you can shorten all of my really long pauses, or even just cut out chunks of me talking absolute shit.
0: Yeah, you you guys listening will know that this interview is ten minutes in editing. Yeah, I'd
1: also just like to say, I don't know what I'm saying. So, just in case any of this sounds like I'm telling you how it is, please, it's not how it is. It's just some (laughs) random shit that's in my head Um, and it's just an exploration and I'm so um, open to being wrong. Um, So, if anything I've said so far or anything I say for the rest of this is kind of inaccurate or whatever, I (laughs) apologise. Is that too intense,
0: James? No, not at all. Okay, cool. Yeah. So... You were born in Wellington and you're of Afghani descent. Yeah. Especially with what's going on in the world right now. And also with how vocal you are on social media and stuff about posting all of that, which is amazing. I wondered what your experience has been with all this. Were you kind of aware of anyone treating you differently or treating your parents differently? Um,
1: I think what happened, and this might connect itself a little bit more to how I ended up uh, becoming a performer was because my mum and dad were both refugees who got married and gave birth to me here. Yeah. They had not necessarily been raised in, well, no, they hadn't at all been raised in a Western world. Yeah. They just happened to live in a Western world when I was born. So my home life and everything around me at home was very heavily tied to my parents' experiences. Yeah being raised, from speaking Farsi to eating Middle Eastern food, Mm. to having a connection with Allah, who was my God. I'm not religious anymore, but, you know, there was a chunk of time when that was my belief. Mm. And then to sort of enter institutions that were more uh, diverse, but mostly white, let's just say, I guess I started acting straight away because I needed to figure out how to play both fields Um, when things were sort of rocky at home. I had an entirely different strategy set up to when I felt other at school. Mm. I guess as I started to gain more independence and grow up, I sort of figured out the connection between the two, but I spent a long time keeping it separate. And I don't know if that's part of the reason why I have not actually experienced a huge amount of direct prejudice or racism. I've had... Micro racism's galore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are tons of things that I can't even remember that have happened around me. But I think being a bit older now, it's become about more than just me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've not only sort of reconnected with my heritage and really owned where I'm from. I wouldn't usually speak about it, but <laughs> it's it's been a few years now that I've been actively searching for information to learn about, you know, what happened further up, what actually happened to my mom, what happened to my dad, who am I, essentially. And I've realized that a part of that, a part of the reason why at 26, 27, I'm still figuring some of this stuff out is I love art and growing up, I didn't really see myself in art. And we've heard these stories from other people as well. But for me, it's just, I still aside from a few people my age, I still don't really see older uh, Middle Eastern performers being celebrated in the mainstream. Yeah, And I don't really have that sort of gift, which is seeing somebody else similar to you that's a bit further <laughs> along the track and yeah. sort of going, oh, that might be realistically what it looks like for me. For me, it feels like, there's no other way to put it, like I guess I'm one of the only Middle Eastern performers here in this country, mm. and I know that there are more yeah, <laughs> I know that there are that performers that are not necessarily working, but they're still performers and I know that because I can't look ahead and see people like me the the responsibility comes down mm. to whoever is currently doing it, yeah myself and and anyone else that's middle eastern and and a performer we are in a position to represent and to to fill fill gaps, so that you know people who unfortunately didn't know a lot about Middle Eastern culture, Middle Eastern people, Islam, or don't have a connection to it through friends or school or work or whatever. Being able to see it on your screens or at the theater, and then possibly jump onto Google and find out more about that person and where they're from. What existing in this industry could lead to is another tool for the average person to use so that they aren't racist. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we exist in this industry, if we tell our stories, if we start to support stories from other minorities as well, and we all just start to redefine what it means to cast a show, what it means to deliver an international piece or whatever, just if we start to kind of develop the courage to just get on with it and do what we need to do to kind of try and affect some kind of change then it it won't be like this in the future
0: Mm. yeah and i me and my partner started watching the office again and in the second episode diversity day the guy that's coming in says it's not about being colorblind it's about celebrating our diversity which i think even in you know silly sitcom like the office is is a really great sentiment of just it's not about forgetting what's happened or being colorblind, it's about celebrating everyone in the community, no matter what they look like.
1: Yeah. And just there's an educational side to art as well. Yeah. Because if you kind of connect with what you see, if you feel something because of what you see, and it leads to you learning something, that knowledge will help you relate to the topic. Mm. So at the moment, if we've got this Middle Eastern population here in the country, obviously we need all of those people to be able to work if they want to work. But in terms of the purpose of art, I think it would just help people understand Middle Eastern people more. And at the moment, unless you consciously want to do that, it's not surrounding you the way that a lot of other stuff surrounds us and saturates us. And I'm not saying I want everything to be Middle Eastern. I just want the option to be there. I want I want the industry to be more like, you know, that amazing food court where you can have anything you want. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's a good analogy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope comparing it to food doesn't diminish anyone or anything because I really love food. Food's great. So <laughs> And just I guess if you are in the in the position, if you are lucky enough to be able to be pursuing your dreams, just have a look around. That's all mm. I keep thinking at the moment is like, when you're next at work, when you're next around the table, um, when you're next on a Zoom call, have a look at the people that are on the Zoom call with you and and ask yourself if you are helping these things that you are addressing on your social media as issues, are you practically helping to affect change in the way that you can, which is within your own workplace, within your own social circles? Um, is everybody on your team white? For this specific project, mm. if so, why? If so, is it necessary? If so, uh, do you not see that it contradicts everything that you're posting yeah. <laughs> up online? And can can you make that connection? And can you start to ask what is one small way that I can actually walk the walk instead of just talking the talk?
0: Totally. That was that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was that.
0: <laughs> Moving back into performing and entertainment and and wizardry. Yep. I wanted to talk about what you have coming up.
1: So as soon as we go into level two, I will be leaving for Wellington with the cast of Play, and we're going to be opening um, this show called Play in Wellington at Bats Theatre next Thursday, the 3rd. And I think, fingers crossed, all our cinemas open. I think the release date in New Zealand cinemas for Dead was going to be September 13th. But possibly, if you jump on the website, there might be changes. I'm not sure yet. Mm. But yeah, no, Dead should be in our cinemas shortly and I'll be doing Play soon. So
0: speaking of Play, can you talk a bit about what that show is?
1: Play is, let's say it's a dramedy. So it's very funny. It's also quite intense and thought provoking at times, but it's an exploration of modern day dating. To explain that further, it's like a love triangle between three people, three guys. One of them is monogamous and looking for the one essentially one of them is sort of open so he kind of is still looking for one person but also can view sex as something that's separate to that and that you can sort of have a bit of fun with and then there is a third person who is like more polyamorous more in the field of like you can experience limitless love for any number of people and have connections that are sexual emotional essentially you can have multiple boyfriends i guess mm. um, multiple spouses whatever and so this love triangle <laughs> intertwines those three perspectives and just gives you a taste of how it can how it can go wrong let's say
0: mm. and which one are you playing
1: ah uh, so i play this guy called dan he's a real estate agent and he is a bit jim tan laundry um he's a bit of a, a well off fuckboy type who is uh, starting to want a little bit more. He's used to kind of being open, but if the right person comes along, he'd want to sort of, I guess, take steps forward with that person mm. and live with them and um, build build a life with them, I guess, while still being open. Mm. But just one. He wants just one. Just the one.
0: And then Dead is, <laughs> I've, I've written down the NZ comedy version of The Sixth Sense.
1: Oh, okay. I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen The Sixth Sense. But you know what it's about. I see dead people. Yeah that just that line yeah no that's that's a part of it yeah i guess it's kind of like um a murder mystery but in this film there are dead people involved with solving the crime because they haven't passed over yet and um they still have questions left to answer so they're still there Mm. and there is this one stoner guy who has developed a recipe that once injected uh, i think it's like a combination of weed and some kind of prescription medication but well, that's like cooked together it and first. then injected <laughs> and he can communicate with ghosts. So that character's Tom Sainsbury's character. Yeah. And then my friend Hayden plays, um, the cop. Yeah. There are just, uh, a ton of suspects and a whole bunch of things go wrong with like the, the actual communication and miscommunication between the ghosts and the suspects and this, um, stoner guy who's doesn't actually want to be is too lazy to solve the crime, but then gets, uh, gets in too deep. I don't know if I've efficiently summarized the film, but. I also don't want to really give anything away. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to. Mm, um, spoilers. But yeah, I when I watched it, I found a lot of it really funny and also some of the more sort of fucked up supernatural stuff. There were moments where I was kind of like, ah <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Great. So coming towards the
0: end, this podcast is called Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams. Just based around, you know, performing as a career and as a lifestyle. So Yep. On that line, what is your Kiwi dream?
1: Uh, I would say my Kiwi dream. It's just my, my dream, right? And I guess because I'm Kiwi, it's yeah. a Kiwi dream. It's just the title right. of this podcast. So that's what I... Of course, of <laughs> course, I honor that. It would be to get to tell stories the way that I get to forever. Yes, I guess for the life I'm living to be my life forever. Obviously, I'm open to it growing and becoming other things, but I'd like some of the core things to do with art, work, performing, telling stories, connecting with people. I want those things to be in my life forever.
0: My Kiwi dream is to keep going. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Ah, I pulled it off as an answer, but I was just thinking. I always find goal setting, like I can set short term goals, but in the long term, I have to create the goal without a time in mind, especially in this career. I often feel like I don't actually have one specific dream, Mm -hmm. just a bunch of things that I would like to see happen and just the openness, I guess, to let them happen. Yeah, hopefully. What's yours, by the way? Have you already had to answer this on another episode?
0: Uh, I I also have a bunch, you know, this new dream of podcasting apparently is going quite well and i i really enjoy it i'm also into like the behind the scenes of theater as well and i mentioned yeah. earlier videography as well so there's, yeah there's a spectrum of dreams all within the arts and all risky as a career path <laughs>
1: do you have a drone are you going to get a drone
0: i have a drone it's currently in new zealand
1: oh very cool very cool you are a videographer yeah that's all you need you need a drone
0: i've I've flown it a handful of times.
1: <laughs> um is it big? Is it scary? No, it's small. It's really
0: cute, but it's it takes awesome photos and videos. It's such a cool piece of technology, like you can get that from such a small thing.
1: Yeah, I'm obsessed. Lately just as a relaxation method, I might like play some calm music on Spotify um and then on silent I'll look up um 4K HD drone footage mm-hmm. of random different po- like parts of the world. Yeah. Put it up. Usually it's got some tacky song playing, but I'll silence that, listen to my music and just like feel like I'm flying over random mountains.
0: Well, there you go, listener. If you if you want something to do with your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. During lockdown, especially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if You need to unwind. Totally. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, James. For coming on the podcast. No worries. It was fun. Thank you.
0: And thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll talk to you soon with another guest
1: yes bye bye take care everyone see ya
0: hi everyone thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed that conversation with zach if you're in wellington from the 3rd to the 12th of september check out play at bats theater i'll put a link to the tickets in the description also according to flicks.co.nz The film Dead releases on the 17th of September, so keep an eye out for that at a theatre near you. You can find Zach on Instagram at ZachNiat, that's at Z-A-K-E-N-A-Y-A-T. You can also find the podcast on Instagram at AndOtherKiwiDreams. I'm currently in the process of updating my feed with short snippets from each episode, so head on over there to check those out. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk at you next time on Broadway and other Kiwi Dreams.